Good afternoon. My name is Shannon Bond, the pastor here at Cherokee Baptist Church. And uh, on behalf of the Bowden family, I want to thank you so much for your presence here today. In the scriptures, it says to bear one another's burdens. And when you do, you fulfill the law of Christ. And uh, coming alongside this family in their time of loss, I know it means a great deal to them. And it, as the scripture says, it fulfills the law of Christ. So thank you again for being here. Um, I'm going to say a brief prayer, and then we'll transition into the remainder of the service. Father, we do thank you uh, that you are a good and mighty God. We're thankful, Lord, that um, it was your plan to send your Son into the world, to take on human flesh, uh, to live a perfect and righteous life, uh, to die a death that was not for his sin, but for the sins of the redeemed. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that as proof that his salvation, that what he did on the cross was more than enough, you raised him from the dead on the third day. He is ascended and he sits at the right hand, at your right hand on high in heaven. It's because of all this power we know that um, to be absent from the body as a believer is to be present with the Lord. So we can be here today, whether we know this family or not, um, and to grieve with them in a way that has hope because we know that those who believe in Christ, when they leave their body, they are present with the one in whom they place the full weight of their faith. And they're more alive than they've ever been. I pray, Lord, that um, in this short time when we're all assembled together, that you'd be glorified and honored, uh, that this family would continue to grieve well as those who have hope, not as those who do not. Uh, And Lord, that that Tom's life um, would just give this wonderful aroma of Jesus Christ. We praise you, we thank you, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. You are tempest-tossed When you are discouraged Thinking all is lost Count your many blessings Name them one by one And it will surprise you What the Lord has done Count your blessings Name them one by one Count your blessings See what God
seasons. Thomas Oscar Bowden was born March the 11th, 1945. Dad is survived by my mom, Elaine, and my brother, Brad, and his wife, Jennifer. Those who called him Popeye, Nicole, Sawyer, Tommy, Claire, Major, and Lindsay. His sister, Carolyn Swindoll, her husband, Crunchy, their children, Brent, Jennifer and Scott and their families. He is also survived by many cousins and family members. Preceded in death by his parents, Cecil and Flora Bowden, and grandparents, Carol and May Bowden, Popeye and Francis Randolph. Over the last few years, I got to spend a lot of time with dad in the car and we had a lot of talks, a lot of road trips, Am I echoing? Okay. So anyway, we were a lot of trips, going to see Brad's kids, chased them all over the state for football games, basketball games, all kinds of things, and doctor's appointments as well. So we had discussed what this day would be like more than once. And he said, you know, sis, I want you to get up there, and I want you to tell them who I was. I want you and your brother to get up and tell funny stories. I want y'all to tell them all the lessons I taught y'all. But I really want y'all to let them know who I was. And then he'd say, with a smile, he'd say, but sis, only tell them the good stuff. (laughs) With our talks also came... uh, a folder after he passed, we, we had some instructions that he had written. And in these instructions, there was four pages 
of people he thought a lot of and he considered close personal friends. And we were supposed to call each person on this list and let them know about his passing. And whenever I first saw these four pages, and I knew Brad was teaching, it was still during school, and I was like, I have to call all these people, and they were all handwritten in Dad's writing with the phone numbers written. My dad scribbled, so I was like, uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. And this is kind of an awkward call, you know, hey, you don't know me, but my dad died, so, you know. It was, it was really something I almost set to the side and was like, you know, I'm not going to do this. He'll never know. Mother doesn't care. Nobody will know about this. I'll just set these papers to the side. Well, I got to feeling like, you know, this is something he wanted me to do, so this is really important that I do this. After the first few phone calls, I realized what a gift he was giving me. I heard so many stories, and, you know, as soon as they heard who I was, it was like, oh, my goodness, your dad was the best. He always called me for my birthday. He always sent out my birthday card. He was just an amazing man. I got to room with him whenever I was in train war, and he would get up every morning and do his affirmations and give himself a pep talk before he went out and made sales. There was one young man I called, and they, he said, we always called him Turkey Tom at the state treasury because I think he raised turkeys or something. So, you know, being at the Capitol in Austin, that was just unheard of that, you know, somebody raised turkeys. So I got a good laugh out of that. Uh, another young man I talked to, he's like, you know, your dad gave the best hugs. And I was like, wow, this rough and tough guy would have never thought that, you know, he would say that's what he thought of whenever he thought of my dad, is that he gave the best hugs. I talked to some of the nurses at the dialysis center, and they were like, your dad was always so optimistic, so positive. Every time we talked to him, he was fantastic. I like, yeah. That's one of my pet peeves with my dad. He was always fantastic. We could be headed for a transfusion, and I would say, Dad, how you doing? He'd be like, I'm fantastic, sis, fantastic. I was like, well, you know what, Dad? You can't breathe. Your heart's only working 30%, and your kidneys are shot. So how can you be fantastic? He's like, fantastic is not a feeling. Fantastic is all up here. If you think you're fantastic, you're always going to be fantastic. The other thing Dad left was this letter. So I'm going to read this letter from him. And he also left a CD, which he'll play after this letter. July 11th, 2018. A letter from Tom Bowden to his friend. Friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors. Howdy. This reading of this letter means I'm waiting for each of you to join me in heaven. I do not say this boastfully because no one can do enough to deserve heaven. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For the grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest man should boast. In 1972, I repented of all my sins and invited Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. I then prayed the following sinner's prayer. Oh, dear God, I know you love me. I confess my sin, ask for your forgiveness. I now invite Jesus Christ into the heart and life to my, be my Savior and Lord. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Because of praying that sinner's prayer, I'm in heaven. The sinner's prayer came as a result of the following F-A-I-T-H plan of salvation, which will be played next. Serving God with you, Tom Bowden. Thank you all for coming out. Friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors, this is Tom Bowden. In your personal opinion, what do you understand it takes for a person to go to heaven? I'd like to share with you how the Bible answers this question. There's a word that can be used to answer the question, faith, F-A-I-T-H. F is for forgiveness. We cannot have eternal life in heaven without God's forgiveness. In Ephesians 1, verse 7, we read, In whom meaning Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. A is for available. Forgiveness is available. It is available for all. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Forgiveness is available for all, but not automatic. Matthew 7:21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. I is for impossible. It is impossible for God to allow sin into heaven. God is love. I will repeat John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is just. James 2.13. For he shall have judgment without mercy. People are sinful. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Therefore, how can a sinful person enter heaven where God allows no sin? That brings us to the T. T is for turn. If you were driving down the road and someone asked you to turn, what would he or she be asking you to do? He or she would be asking you to change direction. Turn means repent. Turn from something. Turn from sin and self. In Luke 13.3, Jesus is speaking. Luke 13.3, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Turn to someone. Trust Jesus Christ only. What does the Bible tell us? 1 Corinthians 15.3b-4. through 4. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Romans 10.9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. H is for heaven. Heaven is eternal life. We can have heaven here and now. Jesus says in John 10, 10b, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Heaven is also the hereafter. Jesus continues in John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. How can a person have God's forgiveness, heaven, and eternal life in Jesus as personal Savior and Lord? The word faith, F-A-I-T-H, can also mean forsaking all I trust him. The answer is also found in Romans 10.9. We repeat Romans 10.9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Understanding what we have shared, 
If you would like to receive this forgiveness by trusting in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, I will now lead you in the sinner's prayer. Lord, I know I am a sinner. Please forgive me. Thank you for loving me and coming to earth to show us the way. I believe you died to pay for my sin and you were raised from the dead to give me eternal life. I want to turn from my sin and place my faith in you right now. Please come into my life and be my Savior and Lord. Show me how to live and help me to follow you always. In your name I pray, amen. I'd like to close with some life lessons. Oprah Winfrey says, Every life is a story. Every story is a lesson. After 66 years, I have learned some lessons. First, a person never wins an argument. The second lesson, when two people disagree, they are both wrong. Lesson number three, we can only change ourselves. We cannot change other people. Lesson number four, the pain of regret is much worse than the pain of sacrifice. The pain of sacrifice might be for a few hours, a few weeks, or a few years. However, the pain of regret is forever. Tom Selleck says, I would rather regret what I have done than regret what I have not done. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. Uh, I want to say thank you to all of y'all for coming out here today. Um, got to shake most of your hands as you're coming in, but if not, I'll try to catch it before we leave. Uh, you know, in June 2018, um, school had just let out and I came home and I went to the mailbox and got a letter out and it was a letter from my dad, and, uh, which, you know, we just lived 40 miles apart. We saw each other about three or four times a week. So I was trying to figure out why he sent a letter, but I opened up the letter and started to read it. And, of course, my dad was an, he was an avid statistician. He's always keeping up all the kids' stats. So he had sent me all the times from the track season that year and congratulating uh, Tommy and Major and Lindsay on their track accomplishments. And uh, my oldest daughter just graduated. And so I'm reading this letter, and then, you know, at the end, it's, and by the way, son, I have cancer, and they said I've got about six months to live. And so just wanted you to know that also. <laughs> and uh, of course, I, obviously, I, it's, I joke about it now, but whenever I read it, I was devastated, and I go inside and call Dad, and just like my sister said, I said, Dad, you know, what's going on? Oh, I'm fantastic, son. Well, Dad, it sounds like maybe that's not completely accurate. And uh, he said, ah, son, he said, I've got cancer. He said, I've got cancer in my lungs, and I've got a little bit on my brain, and a little bit in my sternum, a little bit in my scapula, and uh, maybe on the skin. And I, well, Dad, that doesn't sound real good. He said, no, son. He said, we're, we're, he said, I think I can get the kids through school, and then we'll see. And, uh, you know, it, it sounds comical already, but, um, you know, it, when, he, when he sent me this letter, it had already been six months since he got the diagnosis. So he's really on borrowed time at that point. And so six months turns into a year, and a year turns into two years, and then three years. And, you know, you know how you... You get news that you got six months to live. Everybody wants to soak up every last minute they can, get that extra hug, get that extra call, get that. But after four years, you start to like, oh, okay, well, this was a false alarm. And, uh, you know, uh, Dad passed away on a Tuesday morning. And uh, the previous Wednesday, he was with us at Waco at a track meet. And my younger two were in at the district track meet. And uh, 
So I sat up in the stands rather than staying down on the infield with the kids and the other coaches. I went up in the stands and just sat with dad all day long. And we had a great conversation and great laughs. Um, but I mean, it was just like, I mean, it was just, it's almost surreal because it's just like, well, his heart's barely working, his kidneys are shut down, his lungs aren't working, but everything, you just ask him and nothing's different. And so you get lulled into that sense of everything's fine. And then, so when I got the call the following Tuesday, my sister called and said dad had passed. And uh, so it was a surprise. But at the same time, it wasn't really a surprise because we knew it was coming. Um, but I got in a car and went down to, drove to San Saba to be with mom and Steph. And we started talking about what we were going to do. And really the plans were that we really didn't have any plans. Um, and that really kind of bothered me at the time. And so Tuesday goes, and then Wednesday, and then Thursday, and it really started to, to ache in my heart. I said, we, we've got to do something. And so I asked, I asked my kids and mom and Steph, let's just go out to the cemetery. We can all just go together and, and just have a family moment. And Dad was cremated, so there wasn't even a body. There wasn't a, a gravesite or anything. So we just went out to the cemetery, and we saw Daddy Cecil and Granny Flora's headstones, showed it to the kids, and saw uh, Daddy Carol and May's headstone and showed them and kind of walked through the lineage with my kids. And so then we sat down, and uh, so I felt like I needed to say something. I had a million things I wanted to say. And what I ended up doing is I ended up talking for a long, long time. But because I really wasn't thinking straight, I, I talked for a long time, but I didn't really say anything. And so uh, a few weeks later, we decided to have the memorial. And then my mom and my sister real quick to let me know, you know, you don't have to go long, Brad. You can be real short. And uh, so I'm going to take their advice. We're going to be short today if we can. But before I go on, I want somebody to acknowledge the irony of being at Tom Bowden's funeral with Tom Bowden talking at his own funeral and never worried about me going too long. So we got to understand that. But, uh, you know, it'd be pointless for me to go too long because I could never express all the blessings Dad was to me and to my family. Um, immediately, my sister and my mom and then, uh, as I got married, my wife, and then my, my children. Um, just unbelievable having him around and just a blessing to me. And I know he's a blessing to a lot of people, just as a lot of people were blessings to him. And, uh, you know, uh, a good friend of his, um, Scotty Blue, Peggy Blue, they walked in today, and they're the ones that, you know, they made me think of this. But they said, there's a bunch of stories we could tell about your dad. And I said, yeah, I, I could tell a lot of stories also. I said, but you kind of have to know your audience when you're telling a Tom Bowden story because if they don't really know Tom Bowden, they'll think you're exaggerating. They'll think you're like making it up. But I said, it, you got to be around people that know him, and then it makes perfect sense. And I've been waiting to tell a story about whenever Dad was training a young man down in Houston, or close to Houston, a little town outside of Houston. And Dad goes down there, he's going to train him to go door-to-door selling. And, of course, Dad loved, loved going door-to-door so he could talk to people. And this kid was not about that at all. Dad goes down there and gives him a big pep talk, and he's got him raring to go. And so Dad says, now, we're going to do everything just like I'm not here, but I'm just going to be with you. So let's go get in a car. You're going to drive. We'll go neighborhood to neighborhood. And uh, so this kid keeps running through yards and running into, he ended up running into a stop sign. And uh, Dad was, you know, well, what's the matter? Well, Tom, I'm legally blind. I'm not supposed to be driving a car. <laughs> But Dad had him so fired up that he thought he could do it. And, uh, but the part that makes the story of Tom Bowden was they went ahead and finished the day with that kid driving. So, I mean, you can't tell normal people these stories because Dad wasn't normal. But uh, rather than me staying up here and tell you a whole lot of stories, I'd rather just 
me wrap it up as quick as I can, and we'll get in the fellowship hall, and y'all can share all the stories. But there are two scriptures that Dad kind of um, talked about whenever he got the instructions or whenever he sent word. Is two, two scriptures that have meant a lot to him, and I think that he did a great job of living them out. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 8, and I won't say it word for word, but in essence, Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says, don't worry about anything, and just go to the God, go to the Lord with a thankful heart, and let him know your concerns, and let him know your plans, and let him know your, your ambitions. And if you go with a thankful heart and you turn it over to him, then God will give you peace beyond all understanding. And uh, I really think, you know, Dad surrendered to the ministry, he was saved in 72, but surrendered to the ministry, uh, you know, at, at an older age. But I really think that of all the flaws and faults that he had, just like we all do, but um, with him, everything was exaggerated and bigger. So if he had a flaw or a fault, it was just that much more. But of all the flaws and faults he had, one thing he didn't have was he was very genuine and he was very loving. And he did not worry about anything. And I, I, would, I would describe him to my wife as annoyingly optimistic. He, he refused to see the downside in anything, and it's because he had just completely turned his carriage over to the Lord, and he would lay out his plan, but he was so thankful and so grateful for everything. And then verse 6 and 7 is speaking about turning it over to God, and God will give you uh, desires of your heart, but will give you peace. And then verse 8 is just talking about just focus on the great things, whatever is pure, whatever is beautiful, whatever is wholesome, whatever is true, whatever is just. And that really was Dad, and the more so as he aged. He... he was such an optimistic person, um, but he absolutely refused to see the downside of anything. And I, I'll be honest with you, I, there were times where it would frustrate me, and I would hit him with absolute valid, undeniable fact just to try to show him you can't be that optimistic about this. And it wouldn't matter. He'd just see right through it. You know, we were in Fort Worth, and there's a pack of pit bulls running through the neighborhood. And I'm like, Dad, this neighborhood is not a good neighborhood. And, you know, Dad's, oh, son, I love dogs. And I'm like, these, these dogs are going to kill you. But that was just Dad. Um, and so I think that I learned a lot from him, but I think that he lived out that verse as well as any. Um, John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Or some versions say, have lived life to the fullest. And I can honestly say, obviously, I'm biased. Uh, but I can honestly say that I don't know many people, if any, that lived life as full as dead. Um, everything was about go. Everything was about uh, living life and, and wringing the last drop out of that cloth every day. And he really did a great job of that. And friends are what made it full to him in relationships. And all of y'all uh, definitely were blessings in his life and helped him to live a fuller life. But... Uh, one thing that gives me peace and one thing that gave him peace because he talked about it was he didn't, he didn't feel like there was anything left undone. Whenever he, he was ready to pass and he was completely at peace with it. And so whenever he passed, I know that uh, God had given him tremendous peace in his heart. Um, and I know that, like I said, the friendships are what meant a lot to him. And that's what he really wasn't big on having a funeral, wasn't big on any of this stuff, but he knew we were going to do something. He just wanted to make sure that we conveyed to all his friends and family how special y'all were to him and how much he loved y'all. Um, I know that he was definitely by far my best friend, um, but I don't know anybody that, I don't know that I know anybody that has many friends as Tom Bowden. And part of that was, is, like I said, he was a blessing to a lot of people and he had a big impact on a lot of lives. But the other part of that was, is that he, he looked for ways to be friends with people. And uh, he, would, he would stretch that to some extent. When I was younger, 
I would apply for jobs in different towns and coaching, and I would always call him because I always knew somebody in every town I was going to. And I would call him up and say, hey, Dad, I'm applying for a job in filling a blank, Quero or Lexington or wherever. Who do you know there? And he always could give me a laundry list of names he knew there, and there were, there were a few towns where he only knew one or two people. <laughs> I remember going and interviewing at this one school, and this man, he had said, you know, a good friend of his, I met him. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm Tom Bowden's son. And he just kept like, okay. And uh, after a while, I could realize this guy did not know who Tom Bowden was. And I got back and I said, hey, Dad, I thought you were friends. What's the deal? And Dad's like, well, I had a flat tire there back when I was running for state treasurer. And uh, we sat in a coffee shop and talked about the 58 Cotton Bowl. And uh, so in Dad's mind, they were good friends. And uh, this guy, he didn't know Dad from the man on the moon. But uh, so after that, I had to be real careful about whenever I asked Dad for references because, you know, he may or may not know him at all. But in Dad's mind, they were friends. And that's really a testament to how he is approached life and how he approached um, people is that he, he had a genuine love in his heart for most people. Um, you know, I think uh, a favorite movie of mine is It's a Wonderful Life, and y'all have probably all seen it a million times. They show it on television about 2,000 times a year during Christmas, but at the end of it, uh, George Bailey's gone through this traumatic deal, and, and right at the end of the movie, he's reminded by the angel that's come to help him that no man is a failure who has friends. And I think it would be a, a better way to say it is that any man can be a success if he has friends. And I think uh, of all the accomplishments Dad had, and he had plenty, but of all the accomplishments he had, his number one accomplishment was the amount of friends he had and simply the fact that he was willing and looked for a way to be friends with other people. And so today that was what was on my heart. Is I just wanted to express to y'all how much I love all of y'all and how much Dad loved all of y'all and how much y'all mean to us and our family and to Dad. Um, you know, I think probably... and. and like I said, a good friend of his reminded me about this. And I said, well, I'm actually going to speak about this today. But I, this is the one Tom Bowden story I'll tell you just briefly, and then I'll close. Uh, and this, if you know Dad, this is this, I mean, this just suits him to a T. Uh, I was a, a junior in college, and uh, my pickup had finally worn out. And I was, I was in that deal where I didn't have a job yet, but I was not too long till I was going to be out of school, so I didn't want to go buy a new pickup. I didn't want to go get a car payment until that. So Dad said, well, you can have my car. And if you know Dad, you don't want to inherit a car from Dad. Uh, because first of all, he's put about 250,000 miles on there, and they've all been rough miles, very rough miles. So, But I didn't have a choice, so i take this car from him. And I'd gone to Storms or Sonic or one of these drive-ins where you pull in, and uh, I go to leave, and I can't, it won't back out. And uh, so I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, well, the, it's running. There's nothing wrong with it. And I put it in drive, and, yeah, it'll go forward a little bit. So I had to stop, and I, I don't know what to do. And of course, this is long before cell phones. So I go <laughs> go to the pay phone and call Dad at the house. I said, Dad, uh, what's the matter with this car? He goes, what do you mean, son? I said, well, it won't back out. He said, oh, yeah, son, that car didn't have a reverse. I said, well, Dad, I said, well, why didn't you tell me that? He goes, well, I didn't think about it. I was like, well, what am I going to do with a car that didn't have reverse? He said, well, son, I mean, it was just so matter of fact to him. He said, son, reverse for going backwards. You don't get anywhere going backwards. You got to go forward. I said, well, now, Dad, I said, that's cute and all. I like your optimism and all that. But I said, at some point in time, I'm going to have to go in reverse. He said, no, you don't. He said, you don't. 
He said, now, it sounds like you're going to have two today. But he said, after today, he said, you make sure you parked where you can always go forward. And he said, if you ever slow down, if you ever stop, if you ever hesitate, before you come to full stop, make sure you can keep going forward when it's time to go again. And I, I hung up the phone just in disbelief, and I've known him my whole life, and I'm still in disbelief that I'm in this predicament. Now I have to go over there, and it's bad enough, like I said, driving an old granny car when you're college, and, but now I'm having to push this old granny car out of the slot by myself. And I just thought, how in the world am I going to have this car with no reverse? And I'm trying to think of how to, and lo and behold, and I didn't admit to him until many years later, but if you, if you have a car that you know doesn't have a reverse in it, you would be amazed at how fast you adapt your mind to where you just naturally are always pulling into a spot where you go forward. And I ended up driving that car for a couple of more years without reverse. And very rarely did I ever get in, every now and then I'd get into trouble, but very rarely did I ever get in trouble. And I think that's a great metaphor for life, and I think that's a great example of what Dad was. He was all about moving forward. And, you know, he said, son, however long you're in reverse, at some point in time, everybody keeps going forward again. So you're just wasting time going in reverse anyway, so don't do it at all. <laughs> and if you look at it, that's a great way to think, approach life, is every now and then it's time to slow down and, and maybe even stop, but always be moving forward. And uh, I'm so grateful for the blessing. <clears throat> I'm so grateful for the blessing Dad was to me and to my, and to my family. And uh, I appreciate you all for being here. And um, I'll close with a prayer and a song. Not me singing, but them playing. <laughs> um, or I'll be happy to sing one, but you all have to tell me which one. Um, but afterwards, we can go to the fellowship hall, and we can all share all the Tom Bowden stories we've got. If you'll join me in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day you've given us. <clears throat> thank you for this day that you've made, and I thank you for all the blessings that are in it for the people who I have eyes that will see them. Father, I thank you for the blessing Dad was in teaching me to see and count my blessings. Thank you for all the people represented in this room and all the blessings they were to him. Father, if there's anybody in the room that doesn't have a real relationship with you, I hope that today will be a chance to pause uh, long enough for Dad to one more time lend a helping hand to a friend to find a real relationship and, and to accept your free gift of salvation. But Father, more importantly than that, I just pray that you'll help us to continue to move forward with the warm memories we have in our heart and a happy heart and cheerful that we'll turn our cares over to you and that you'll give us a peace beyond understanding. I pray these things according to your word and in your holy name. Amen. Thank you. All right, thank you. We want to, we got we got all the family band out here. You got a little sister and the guys and Jody and Paul. And we want to do a little gospel stuff for you here if y'all are up for it. Y'all help us sing. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all help us sing called I'll Fly Away. Some glad morning when this life is over. I'll fly away to our celestial shore.
Joys will never end. 